That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, a Batman slash DC podcast with no limits, and we bring you the stack episode for the date of January 24, 2018. Oh my god, Ooh. 2018. We're in the future, man. I got the Trunkler <laughs> up in Chirac, Chicago, in the blistering cold, in the car with, the, with fucking rubbing two sticks together with his phone <laughs> so he can bring you the stack review. Like, dedication trunks. Bat Force General. No. <laughs> And I got Robin Chris up in Canada. It sounds pretty warm. <laughs> yeah, I'm just chilling on a couch. <laughs> I'm far less dedicated. We got the stack. Of, <laughs> we got some new comics. Um, what are the bullet points? We got uh, Doomsday Clock three. We got oh. uh, Detective Comics number nine seventy three. Gotham eight, City Garage number eight. Um, Yoto. It's Nightwing New World Order number six. The yeah. final issue of this. And and we talk about DC winning um, best. Publisher of the Year, something like that, right? From Diamond. Yeah, they won almost. They DC cleaned up. This cleaned year. up. I mean, it's no surprise because uh, you know Marvel Comics like a sink chip. But Doomsday Clock number three. Open up initial thoughts, boys. What'd you think of that one? I love this issue. Uh, we got something that I was hoping to be the case with uh, a new character came out to be exactly what I hoped. So uh, I'm pretty happy with this. Mm. absolutely issue starts up with a flashback basically to the original watchman story right so we see the murder of the comedian right when he falls out the window uh, yeah. but uh something changes this time so we see him uh get tossed into uh to a harbor or something like that takes a bit of a dip and comes out alive Right, yeah, he swims. They cut back to modern day, or what's going on now, when he's fighting Ozzy? Yeah, so continuing from last issue, which ended with Comedian showing up in uh, Lex's office, where Adrian uh, had gone to talk to Lex, you know, to introduce himself. Yeah. And uh, Comedian had shown up and shot Lex and attempted to shoot uh, Adrian as well. Adrian uh, evaded that, so this is now the showdown between them. They have a little scrap, and uh, Adrian nearly gets uh, tossed right out the window, which, as Comedian uh, alludes to, it would have been uh, poetic justice uh, for the way that Adrian had, <laughs> had previously killed him. I like the Comedian's, like, sinister grin, and he says, uh, death mm-hmm. changes a man. I thought that was pretty sweet. Like, I'll tell you one thing, these, this run is really dense, man. It's like Jeff Johns going in, because yeah. uh, you really need to kind of know your comic book history. With, with DC and the Watchmen to, to have a general idea of everything that's going on, because there's a lot of things... Yeah intertwines into this new uh, doomsday clock run so uh, yeah, there, there's some things coming up in the issue that pulls from the past so there's some things in the issue that makes trunks light up a newport man like <laughs> <laughs> in this fight scene i mean um you do see uh, i guess the comedian does get a little a little poetic justice um he pulls out his guns and starts shooting at him and you know he's dodging the bullets and maybe the uh, when i turned the page and saw what happened right after that it's almost like maybe the i thought the comedian was missing on purpose 
Yeah. Because then uh, he, just, the next, uh, yeah, then the Adrian's next... uh, super speed. He's able to uh, dodge most of those bullets until one ricochets. And then uh, the next page, you see Ozzy get tossed through a window. <laughs> pretty rough man so we cut back over to the bat cave yeah uh the, again a continuation of the last issue where rorschach well this new rorschach had infiltrated the bat cave yeah on his way there decided to eat batman's breakfast pancakes and that's uh, that's, uh, that's that's uh, eating batman's breakfast is like eating trunks deep dish i heard yeah they take a bite <laughs> of that dude well, uh, alfred makes a mean uh mean flapjack there <laughs> Scott, you like them flapjacks, boy? <laughs> he's, he's classic. He's classically trained in making those flapjacks. <laughs> yeah. I like some flapjacks more than others, but those are third generation flapjacks. <laughs> so, uh, Rorschach, uh, Rorschach version two uh, proceeds to explain to Batman that uh, yeah, yeah, I broke in. Yeah, I ate your breakfast, but I'm not an enemy. Proceeds to. Get give batman his journal well you know kovac's actual journal yeah, and, and uh, um, asks him to read it to uh to fill him in on on what's happening bats had that's the, is that the earth one bat suit it looks that's like a, it we were yeah. talking about this earlier because like the events that are happening uh mostly the anti-hero protests mm. don't seem like something that they'd be throwing into the main continuity so yeah i'm wondering if this is the uh if this is jeff john's earth one universe that's that's going down here. I marionette in the mime are going through a, like the carnival at the moment. Yeah, that's where uh, they kind of crash landed. So they escaped the ship where they had been handcuffed uh, in the last issue, and that was where we got the first hint of what mime's abilities might be. Yeah, I like when she looks at the skyline and says, uh, "And this ain't Jersey," meaning that you know she's looking at Gotham City now. So they're in another, uh, they're in this universe yeah. now, and they find. Um, then we come back to the Batcave when Bats is just going through the journal, you know, <laughs> reading. I guess he's a little tired, so he's reading a little slower than usual. Uh, Either that or yeah. uh, what page are you on? Four. <laughs> Chill. Yeah. Relax. You know, Batman rubs his eyes and he's like, you know, it's been a long day. I just figured that shit, you know, he's a detective. He's probably he's probably looking at every single word and processing every single word like five times in his head. Yeah. To see if it, and it, probably you can probably assume he's doing things like analyzing the handwriting and you know trying yeah. to establish well, uh, what kind of person wrote playing well, words with friends on his phone too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he, uh, and he's probably a master at that. I mean, you know, he deals with you know Two Face, who you know does you know um, crimes in two. He deals with the Riddler, who's always you know twisting words and making stuff into like a riddle. You know, he, he's constantly having to dissect what. His, ro- his own rogues say. Like you said, when words are friends, I mean, you're fucked if you play against him, so. <laughs> Rorschach character upstairs to, like, take a shower and relax and whatnot. Then we cut over... All right, so there's a lot of um, protests going on with Batman as well. And got yeah, all at the, the moment. All the anti-hero uh, stuff. Now they're getting into um, these theories that, uh, you know, 90, 97% of the world's metahumans are American, and is America creating these metahumans? And um, it looks like the old folks home when uh, they were saying like uh, when I was a kid American heroes were, were real people with real names and whatnot he's like Joe DiMaggio <laughs> <laughs> the gentleman who's sort of the focus of the the retirement home here uh, you see he's referred to as Mr. Thunder that's Johnny Thunder from uh, the Justice Society and the All-Star Squad yeah after bringing in uh, Johnny Thunder uh, Jeff Johns reached back again because this movie that they're watching it's uh, a Nathan Drake uh, sorry, a, a Nathan Dusk movie. And Nathan Dusk is actually an old DC character. 
character from the mid 80s it's got to be something that's going to be integral to the story later you know john jeff johns isn't likely to to pull a character that hasn't been seen really since the 80s uh, just for yeah. no it's going to mean something mm-hmm. to the story and uh, as you go through the issue, it, it cuts back to this movie a couple times. So These are two big storylines between this and Metal Hell. Johnson Snyder pulling back every Tom, Dick, and Harry from the <laughs> DC mythology is really, you know, I think yeah, I think something really big is planned. I want, I want to see if they're going to cross streams. That would be quite interesting. Oh, they never cross the streams. <laughs> Barbados and fucking Dr. Manhattan. Damn. You cut back over to this Rorschach character where um, he's talking about how good the pancakes were and Alfred was like, <laughs> I can whip you up some more. Sir. And he finally takes off his uh, mask, revealing that it looked like uh, it looked like Duke Thomas to me, but I don't know who, who is this guy. <laughs> There's actually a clue to it in the extras uh at the end of the issue i like the mm. paper clippings yeah so uh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get to that at the end of the issue but uh yeah we we see a, a little bit more of uh of his background when he gets into the shower and he's taking his rinsing and repeating a little too vigorously but uh he comments how <laughs> the bathroom costs more than the block he grew up on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marionette and uh, the mime go into that bar. Stand-up comedy bar. Yeah, and uh, is it like a Joker bar or a yeah. Joker following well, bar? Yeah, it's probably just a bar that uh, you know the Joker gang always goes to, so it's like the Joker's bar. It's interesting yeah. how Marionette resembles Harley Quinn so much in this. So you guys get those vibes? Yeah, mime and Marionette seem to be you know sort of uh, a Watchmen universe analog to uh, to Joker and Harley. We see this guy with with the Joker tattoo on his hand, telling them that they can't come in with clown makeup on because Joker doesn't like it. And uh, this is this is where we get exactly what I've been hoping for since yeah. we started to get the first hint of what Mime's abilities were. He's unarmed as far as anything that we can see. So, like, if you go back to the, the previous issue, Adrian and uh, Rorschach version 2 had handcuffed the two of them and were going to leave them in the... They did leave them in the ship. But after they left, we saw... A marionette asked uh, Mime if he had his lockpick. He reaches into his mouth and is holding nothing, but then they escape. So then we cut forward to the, the bar fight about to happen here, and when the guy pulls a blade on marionette, Mime basically points a finger gun at him and proceeds to blow his head open with it. So essentially, it seems like anything he mimes, hence his name being Mime, anything he mimes having actually has that item's effect. Yeah, I noticed that with a... Uh... The gun kind of being translucent, like yeah, you know, yeah. Like yeah. if when you look previous to that on the previous page, there's literally nothing in his hand. But then after it's been fired, you know, you see like sort of like a, a mirage of of a gun being there. Yeah. But yeah. then you know, it's, you see nothing in his hand, and he throws invisible knives. That's the a, same thing. It's a really interesting ability. Yeah, and same thing with the knife. Um, you see him throw like throw his hand or wave his hand, and you actually see like how the artist drew as if something was flying from his hand. And then the next panel over, this goon or whatever has his gun in his hand, but he's got blood coming from his neck. And the same thing, you can almost see like, you know, a Robin called it. And I think that's a great way of uh, interpreting it. It almost looks like a mirage. But you see what looks like a knife in the guy's yeah. throat. And uh, one cool thing at the uh, top of this page, we get that good shot of Mime's face while he's... Uh, holding his invisible smoking gun. And he's got that very Draven-esque face paint on. And in the mm-hmm. background behind him, there's a poster that says Crow and has a crow oh. perched on a skull. Yeah. Cool little uh, hmm. a nod to to the crow. Good eye there. It was cool in the perspective when Marionette's coming at someone, she's like, uh, you got pretty eyes. And then she, I know you see his red as if she sliced you, the viewer. Yeah. That was pretty cool. 
No, slice the um, Well, first, I mean, that was bad at, like, when she pulls out that wire. <clears throat> she's like, I want to play too. And she swipes at that guy's face. And you see, like, half his face is cut off. Ooh, it's like, shit. Jesus. And then cuts the gun and cuts the other dude's hand off. It's like, Jesus. Yeah, I, re- yeah. I really like these two. <laughs> They're a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> cut back to the riots. And then the then you cut over to the movie again. And then the old folks home. <laughs> They're fighting for the remote. <laughs> So we get a little, uh, on the next page, gives us a little bit more background on this version 2 Rorschach. Dips again to the events of Watchmen. We see the alien uh, invasion that that, uh, that Adrian faked. So this, this new Rorschach guy was around when that happened because he's, he's now having a nightmare of coming face-to-face with, with that alien. Then he wakes up to um, Bruce Wayne right next to him. Just saying, like... Uh, uh, Somewhat similar to uh, a time in the not so distant past when Trunkler woke up to find someone standing over watching him sleep. I was gonna. You're right, boy. What are you doing here? Tell me to get up, boy. Boy, you might sleep. I got, I got flashbacks. Like you know, I, I just, I, my wife found me in the closet, uh, curled up in a ball. <laughs> Batman t- says he went through the book and that he knows where Doctor Manhattan is. Oh, on a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he knows. He say he says where he knows where Doctor Manhattan is, and then he says it's he's over in uh he's over in Arkham Asylum. So they both go to Arkham Asylum, and then I, like I saw this coming a mile away where he just like, oh opens the door and looks as like Rorschach it. walks in. Well, when uh, it shows Batman and Rorschach, you know, version two, they're standing on a um, they're on top of a like a Arkham Asylum paddy wagon. Like a van that you know they bring prisoners to, and Batman's like, "Okay, follow my lead, stay close." Now, and Batman pulls out his grapple gun, and then Rorschach version two reaches in his you know jacket and pulls this, pulls the same thing. And he's like, "What?" <laughs> he doesn't use any of those. <laughs> what do I do with this? <clears throat> and then I honestly didn't follow. I didn't, I didn't know exactly what was going on until right when till Rorschach did. <laughs> yeah, so he. I uh, saw that coming a mile away, dude. Once he opened that door, well, I'm like, yeah, Dr. Manhattan's not in there. <laughs> yeah, it marches him to an empty cell and says he's in here. So Rorschach walks in, sees some uh, Mad Hatter uh, vandalism scratched into the wall. And while he's yeah. trying to figure out what that means, yeah, Bats closes the door on him and says, I'm sorry, mm. but you belong in here. You almost feel bad for him, this Rorschach. <laughs> like, but Batman does it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy's nutters. <laughs> well, Batman's someone dealt with all of them nutters so right when batman closes the well as the door's closing and it seems like that once rorschach you know he puts his hand on the wall where it says we're all mad here and i'm like what and he turns around and that last panel where he's like no whatever you want to call it the the shape on his mask almost looks like he's sad yeah, yeah. i noticed that very too, yeah. very very puppy dog eyes and then once yeah. batman says i'm sorry but you belong here and he's like no 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 and then when he says i'll kill you for this even there the the shape of the mask of Rorschach is like more mean, more, I don't want to say evil, but I'm not entirely sold that Batman just thinks that Rorschach is crazy and needs to be locked up. Part of me thinks that, you know, after reading that journal, he knows that uh, there's going to be some stuff to do and maybe he just knows it's going to be in his best interest to have this guy out of the way. So he just walked him into this trap. That's actually a good point, Robin. Because I'll be honest, when I first when I first read this issue, um, I thought, you know, when they when he locked 
when he slammed the door on Rorschach, I figured that Batman, after he read the journal, thought, this guy's fucking nuts. He belongs there. But now that you bring that up, I could definitely see that because when Rorschach is sleeping, he wakes up from that dream or from that nightmare. And Batman's sitting there. He's like, no worry, you're, you're safe. You're pro- I, I think you're more right than just that he's nuts because Batman probably sees. I mean, he does look like a younger, you know, looks like a young male who was scared when he woke up. So maybe like you're right, Batman read the journal and was like, okay, some shit's about to go down. You know, uh, you're safer here than you would be out out in the world. Yeah, just, you know, he learned something in that journal that uh, knew he had to put compartmentalize. You know, this guy for now. And uh, you mentioned the uh, Screenland Secrets uh, magazine now. So when we get to this, the Carver Coleman story that refers to the movie that uh, that kept being shown through the issue, we see the the bottom right story there. Uh, about the ex-heavyweight champion uh, boxer, Jack Johnson. That looks an awful lot like this new Rorschach character. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it so, does. Uh, that, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, the relevance of that is that that's who he is or who he was. There's another article about uh, one of the actors from from the movie being murdered and uh, so definitely yeah. if you if you pick up the issue so far it's each issue has these newspaper and magazine clippings in in the back and they've always had uh, a lot of relevance to the story so definitely uh, take the time to read that part of the issue yeah definitely I, i've been i've been lazy and i haven't read those articles either but every time we've been I'm... too busy reading green hour and green hour on birds <laughs> of prey boy That's... Well, no, but I mean, every, getting time, it in. every time we, uh, you know, issue one and issue two, uh, Robin's read them and, you know, those do kind of shine a little bit more light into the, the main story. I was actually going to ask you guys, I'm going to, I saw the, the cover for this and post something and now this might be a long shot, but with them bringing in the Watchmen into the world, I just, I just sent it now and kick. The bottle of gin is victory gin with a V. Who yeah, wrote- I. Who wrote the Watchmen? I saw that, that too, uh, but I, I think that the Victory Gin also goes back to uh, the original Watchmen. So mm-hmm. that that could just be you know keeping the continuity of that. Oh. But yeah, I, I, it's it definitely looks like it it could be uh, something there too. I mean, hmm. when I saw that, I didn't even think about how to nod to the original Watchmen because Alan, you know, the same writer for Watchmen. Wrote V for Vendetta. They're bringing the Watchmen universe. What if they bring the V for Vendetta universe also into the fold? And with DC, mm. with DC Metal, they're bringing in the Sandman kind of yeah. world into uh, into DC. So, yeah. well, only so, time will tell. There's twelve. There's so what, what about eight issues left. Nine issues. Yeah. Mm. So, so while we have on one side, Disney is just buying everything. So they can cram it together. Uh, DC is just interweaving uh, properties that that are already their own. Long overdue. But then again, you need the right people to do it. Not not anyone can. You know, you can't just get anyone to do this. It's, if you're gonna do it right, that is. And Jeff Johns is definitely the man to, to oh. bring these characters in. This. Well, yeah, Snyder too. I mean, you know, bringing Dream in was big because Dream was you know in the '90s. Sandman was that was the shit. You know, that and Preacher and all that was like. You know, people couldn't get enough of that, so... And for them uh, for them to be doing it so well that the creators of the characters, you know, give... Well, Alan Moore's never going to give anyone his blessing to do anything with any of his, of his work. But yeah. uh, how pleased Neil Gaiman was to give Scott his blessing to go ahead and use Dream uh, for metal. You know, it really uh, shows how 
how seamless a job that they've been doing with twining these character sets. And it's a way to bring back what we're talking about, kind of bringing characters back that, you know, we had the Watchmen and then they made before the Watchmen, but nothing ever since then, really. I mean, and nothing that I can think of. And just mm-hmm. like with Sandman, Sandman and Dream, I mean, I never really read much Sandman, but I don't know. I don't think they've had any recent stuff since. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was in the last three years, I would say, that uh, Neil Gaiman did uh, the Sandman Overture miniseries. But yeah, since then, there hasn't been anything else uh, Sandman. So it's able to bring back these characters that the younger readers, the younger generation, who probably don't know or haven't bothered reading it or you know don't know who these characters are. So I think it's a nice way of bringing these older characters back. Like like you said, Johnny Thunder. Now, there, was, uh, there were times in the past, once or twice, where uh, Dream and I think Death had been used in the DC universe, but they just didn't remain there. You know, they just brought them in, did a little crossover thing, and then it just kind of uh, went away. So this isn't the first time that they've brought uh, Neil Gaiman's characters in, uh, but uh, it feels like this is more of a step toward uh, toward them being a part of the universe uh, on a permanent level. And I'm curious to know when, when Metal's over and Doomsday Clock is winding down a- I'm curious to see how they're going to be using these characters in the future, you know, um, mm. next year, two years from now. If they're going to be reoccurring characters or if they're going to be, you know, are they going to, are they going to bring back a Sandman series? Are they going to bring back some sort of a Watchmen series? Depending on how Doomsday Clock ends, they're going to start bringing those two and more stories, individual series mm. or more tie-in and stuff. Yeah, don't forget the three Jokers, boy. You have to think that if the the creators of the characters are receptive to to doing new work with them and dc thinks that there's money on the table to uh, to the possibility of using them then they've got to they've got to jump on it right so. yeah i mean i guess or they can take the route like marvel does and they can have a dance off with you know comedian versus ozzy or sandman versus the joker only time will tell boy but i'll tell you who will know a week early <laughs> 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 But uh, that bring they bring this over real quick just to bang it out. Got Detective Comics number nine seventy three, Killer Clay, and um, it flashes back to when Tim Drake Tim Drake was constructing the Belfry and naming it, and he had all these ideas for Clayface and uh, recruiting the team. And then um, it cuts and then it cuts over to modern day where Clayface is like as big as Godzilla, just uh, tearing through buildings in Gotham City. And what's really interesting is like I was gonna say he's got he was gonna say he's got a piece of the belfry in his hand doesn't he yeah the the very top of it <laughs> oh shit i thought it was a d- tip boy oh, yeah. just a tip so if if you haven't been keeping up with detective lately uh basically clayface had been locked up in arkham by the victim syndicate and they kept him off uh you know his treatments that were helping him uh keeping control of his mind and of his body yeah so now he's uh he's lost it and when he attacked uh basically after he had lost his mind uh his ability to you know keep himself on the good side he attacked the belfry and when he damaged uh, the belfry he had uh, inadvertently merged with uh all of the clay stuff that was kept in the mudroom that mm. we saw in that flashback uh tim uh, showing how he had learned to control it mm. So that's uh, that's led to him being uh, further unstable and a lot larger and more dangerous. Kind of interesting where he's breaking through a skyscraper and on the street level there's a movie theater and the marquee says 
Atlantic Rim because yeah. the movie Pacific <laughs> Rim, I think, I think this doesn't have to do with like giant robots. Yeah, the the monsters, the kaiju's, and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, so. I, I thought that was a, a clever little <clears throat> nod there. <clears throat> and uh, the the uh, names underneath there, we see a little bit of what looks like to looks like it says Benicio del Toro. Oh yeah. <laughs> then um, so Tim Drake got real messed up over this. Like they had the. He had a concussion, so they're trying to get him out. Cassandra Cain's just yeah. looking at uh, this monster Batwoman. There, so the group's trying to reorganize and figure out, you know, how to take this guy on. And so there's a lot of protests going on, saying, uh, "Bat, go back to the cave." I'm guessing they don't want the Belfry in Gotham anymore. Is that uh, what's going well, on? Well, well, the the whole thing is the Victim Syndicate really set all of this up uh, to destroy uh, Batman, like uh, the first victim. Uh, he had been lying to Anarchy all along uh, about what he actually wanted to do. You yeah. know that he, he he wanted to do all this to to help Gotham and free it of of Batman, <clears throat> and that's sort of always been what Anarchy's been about is you know, Anarchy. Yeah. But uh, you know, obviously, uh, first victim was you know really just out for vengeance and revenge, and uh, he's perfectly fine with destroying the city in the process of getting it. Yeah. So. It's uh, it's all been this uh, smear campaign to turn the city against Batman. Clayface is pr- chasing the Batmobile throughout Gotham, and it looks really cool. I like how they convey motion when Batman's driving. And who's there with um? Is that Anarchy? Yeah, that's yeah. Anarchy uh, on the rooftop. Anarchy <clears throat> and the first victim uh, watching everything go down. And this is where we see Anarchy's uh, change of heart when he finds out what the first victim was really up to all this time. Right. Yeah. And he kind of takes him out. This one I thought was really cool. The first time I've actually ever been interested in Batwing ever was when uh, he did something where he kind of had all the, the Batwing suits in synced. So they're all going at Clayface. Mm-hmm. That was kind of cool. And then in, uh, in the background of, of this room where he's uh, controlling all of those, all of the suits. We see uh, a rookie in the background there too. Mm-hmm. The bad rookie, bunny. Uh, the, the the bunny suit. Uh, oh yeah, that was yeah. The bunny suit. Yeah. So they were going at Clayface. Clayface has the Pennywise teeth, so you know, like layers and layers <laughs> of teeth. Who's that? What's her name? Doctor October. Yes. So she creates yeah. some kind of serum or antidote to try to take down uh, Clayface to reverse his power or something like that. Yeah, basically just to uh, the formula would uh, temporarily snap him back to his human form mm. uh, where she hopes he would also regain control of his of his mind but she she knows that it will only be a temporary effect so basically they have to get that to work and then try to uh, get him under control when he's back in that human form yeah so and then uh, anarchy takes out the first victim and then kind of has a moment with spoiler right they had a little thing going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. She had uh, gotten really close to him in the past, and it, when he was sort of a member of the Bat family here, you know the the team. Yeah. And uh, she, she took it really hard when uh, when he had turned against them. Yeah. And he he gives spoiler. Um, looks like a USB drive that um he just uh, tells her, hey, give this to Batman. This will this should you know give him enough to start putting the piece together on who the first victim is. So we'll hopefully we'll find out, you know, because we know who all the rest of the victims in the kid of who they are and what, <clears throat> you know, like that, the, the lady, the, the old lady who got affected by Clayface, uh, that woman who got affected by the Scarecrow. Mm. Batman's in the Batmobile trying to lure a Clayface into Monster Town. 
uh, until he realizes yeah. that Clayface kind of like cuts him off and creates this ramp of clay that <laughs> Batman drives off of. Oh, the uh, the page before that, when uh, the page where we see Batwoman up on the rooftop, yeah, that's uh, cool. already being convinced this isn't going to work. That shot of Batman in the in the car, that is like a Jim Lee looking. Yeah. Batman drive the Batmobile oh, yeah. shot. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. a that's a really great panel. You just like it mm-hmm. looks like something out of All Star Batman and Robin, kind of like uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. And Batman drives off that clay ramp, and then uh, then Orphan jumps on Clayface and uh, kind of darts in that serum or that antidote or whatever it is into Clay, and he kind of like transforms back into his human self at the moment, and she you know he feels really guilty about destroying the city. <laughs> Yeah, you can see that he doesn't even know what he was doing when he was in that uh, monster kaiju Clayface form. Yeah. Uh, So he's seeing the destruction for the first time. I always knew Clayface would come back. I mean, you know, you could see it down the road that, you know, it's only going to last for so long until shit hit, until Clay hits the fan. And, uh, you know, (laughs) do you think um, when James Tynan's writing Detective and writing Clayface's lines, do you think he's thinking about like chocolate ice cream? And stuff like that. <laughs> and this is a badass scene where Cass and uh, Clay, you know, Clayface have a moment, and then um, he's just like sobbing because of how guilty he feels. And then Cassandra's the same way. And then you just see like uh, Batwoman on the rooftop with that rifle, like telling, telling Cass to close your eyes, close your eyes. And then she just <clears throat> lets one off right through his head. Kate, don't fuck around, man. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that weapon that her father gave her that uh, he told her would be capable of taking out Clayface. Oh, from the colony. Yeah. 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 The previous so she, issue. So Batman didn't want her using that. Yeah. 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 Now, now we don't when when he gave it to her and she said something about uh, you know that they don't or Batman wouldn't allow either way for uh, you know for lethal weapons to be used like that. He said, "Well, I thought maybe you could take it apart and, you know, put it back together in in a way that, you know, isn't lethal." Yeah. So, maybe in the meantime she has done that. So what we see is, yeah, it looks like she's taken that weapon that that her father gave her and and put one through his head and put him down. But, you know, I, I don't see him being gone. You know, I, I feel like she probably did uh, rework it, so it it just uh, it's just gonna put him down for now. Yeah, <clears throat> but, but I will say that that last page is is brutal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that yeah. woman don't mess around, man. Well, and, but I mean, the, you know, the oh, go ahead. I was just gonna at the same time as I feel like that's the case. We've also been getting the hints over the last couple issues that this is getting towards the time that the Time Cop, Tim Drake, future version had come back to stop Batwoman. Yeah. This is maybe, you know, the act that he was that he was coming back for, you know, because he was he would obviously be against her using lethal force on someone who had been their friend. Yeah. So maybe this was that event that uh, led to him coming back in time to to stop her from doing it. Yeah. Fun. I like how he's tying everything back to the colony still, and even Clayface. It's like we're so many issues in since Rebirth started, yet we're still tying stuff back into 
when this rebirth detective error started in the beginning, like it's all connecting. So it just feels like he can go on forever writing this this title. You know, yeah. it's not just like a free for all. You know, everything's really well planned out in this run. I think yeah. that's why a I lot mean, of people are enjoying it. Want to congratulate DC Comics on winning the award from Diamond? Is it Robin? There are various awards uh, uh, at the annual Diamond Gem Awards. Awards that are vote based. Uh, so they're voted on, you know, by uh, by retailers, and then there are uh, there are categories also that come from uh, basically sales, you know, uh, dollar value uh, things like that. So DC basically cleaned up on the voting uh, categories. They won. Uh, DC picked up. Uh, I believe it was seven of the awards so they won uh things like comic book of the year comic book of the year 399 and under uh which batman number 24 won they won comic book of the year over 399 with doomsday clock number one uh they won the backlist publisher of the year uh the uh trade paperback or hardcover of the year uh with batman tmnt volume one uh that was a joint one with idw because that was a crossover uh what else they won an award for superhero girls to wonder woman earth one uh, what else do oh they uh they won an award for the brian boland uh, joker statue yeah there's it went on and on mm. dc comics are just so freaking good right now marvel probably had one of the worst years in history, as far yeah, as yeah, it was sales it was a and, tough time for them. Yeah, like and, we could just let's just go but, through the list real quick because this is mind blowing. All right, Marvel had to punish the X Men artists for sneaking political references into the comics. Marvel blames fans for lack of sales. Marvel um, says fans don't want diversity. Dan Dan Slott's leaving. Bendis left. They got rid of Axel Alonso, yeah. which he was. He was the one who said those those really ugly things like uh, that their readers didn't want diversity or female characters. Oh, okay. And he said, you know, the things that everyone knows but you just don't say out loud. Like you know, he yeah. said that they found it hard to keep sales up once a book got to uh, around like issue, issue two. <laughs> so they would start it. So they would reboot it. You know. Yeah. So, started over again with issue one because they knew it would bring them sales yeah. like yeah, everyone knows that you just don't say it out loud i mean they just turn but, one, one thing after the other after the other even when they had um captain america say hail hydra whatever that was like when that first started you know people started losing faith and um it, it's weird because uh, it doesn't sound like marvel legacy was as a success either it sounded like it it did well for the first one or uh, two issues and then uh, not to the extent that DC's rebirth was. Yeah. And really, DC has still been commanding the sales charts, uh, even since uh, Legacy started. Yeah. Uh, DC is still owning it with Rebirth and with Metal and with Sean Murphy's White Knight. Yeah. And well, when you look at oh, these awards, the one award that Marvel won is not even a feather in their cap. <laughs> they won the category for Top Dollar Comic Book of the Year. <laughs> So it's not a voted category. This is this is a stats numbers category. So which issue made the most money, basically? And that came from their uh, Marvel Legacy number one issue, yeah. which was basically their equivalent, because 
after DC did, when DC did Rebirth, they started with DC Universe Rebirth number one, which was that 80-page issue that DC sold for $2.99, an 80-page comic for $2.99. So then when Marvel saw how successful Rebirth was and decided to do their own version of it, they started Legacy off with the same thing. They, they did Marvel Legacy number one, which was their equivalent of DC Universe Rebirth. But Marvel's version of it was a fucking $6 book. Mm. So, the, so the, this feather in their cap, this award that they won, was based on the fact that they charged double the price that DC did for their equivalent book. Yeah. That's, that's not a good award to win. No, and... Uh... You know, fans are really re- receptive to consistency and integrity with, with the books. And re- and I think Marvel was just playing the gimmick game over and over again with the, the one-shots and the legacy and the, the Marvel Now and, and the Marvel Now Again and you know, all this shit. And, and yeah, Marvel Now and Then and the, uh, rehashing old storylines all the time. Yeah. Going back to uh, back Civil War and let's bring back Planet Hulk and let's let's bring back Old Man Logan. Yeah. And let's do let's have a title literally called Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe again. Yeah, that's insane. And was... this this has to be some at least some of why they were losing like they were hemorrhaging talent. They lost uh, they lost Jeff Lemire again. Like you mentioned, they lost uh, Bendis. Uh, and there are other guys that you know we we can't say yet, but. Uh, there are other guys who are in the process of leaving Marvel to come over and do stuff at DC. I know a few of these uh, comic book YouTube big these big channel runners as well, and they're saying that when they do videos about Marvel books, they don't they hardly get any views compared to when they do videos about the current you know DC books. You know yeah. they're just being very like yeah. honest about it, and then that's they say that's. They're not biased. They're just saying that's why they do more DC videos than Marvel because no one's fucking watching the Marvel videos. And this, when there's that lack of interest in in this publisher, and and at this point, what would it take for them to get back on track? Because th- there's a lot of faith lost in them. Their gimmicks are wearing out. They just, you know, the fans are just gonna be like, oh, it's just gonna be another one. It's just gonna be another reboot. It's just gonna be another a gimmick. You know, more first issues oh. to promote movies. And uh, they were oh. talking about would. Disney actually intervene or does Disney give a shit enough about intervening with the publishing company when they're making all the movie all the money with their family comedy movies with superheroes in them you know that's the they they may have taken the first step towards writing the ship uh like I said the Axel Alonso is out as a VP or whatever he was and they've put CB Sobolski in his place so we'll see how that goes but yeah DC has been uh, just steamrolling everything. Uh, it's crazy to look at a sales chart and see a book like Sean Murphy's White Knight. You know, this is a Batman miniseries that's not even canon. It's uh, it's basically an Elseworlds miniseries uh, that's from his own imagination. And this book that's not even canon came out of nowhere is outselling Amazing Spider-Man. Well, it's it's that good. It's quintessential oh yeah it it is but for fuck's sakes when this book comes out of nowhere and is outselling amazing spider-man you guys need to fix some stuff over there yeah and uh, you know maybe i don't know if this is why what the precipitating factor behind this was but for the first time in a decade 
or something like that, Dan Slott is coming off Spider-Man. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's because of a sales slump that they're shaking things up to replace him, or I don't know if if he's off the title because they're losing him. You know, we. I don't know if he's jumping over to DC as well. But, uh, yeah, that that's a mess when we, I, a book comes want, out of nowhere. We don't want Dan Slott at DC. Amazing. I don't know. I feel bad for a lot of Marvel comic book fans. I think they got, they're getting screwed left and right, man. I, that's just my opinion, but... Uh, I mean, I think there there are a couple of good titles. I think Graham's said them know more about it than I do, but like uh, I know Charles Souls, a Daredevil people like and whatnot. But uh, I don't, I don't know, man. It's it's just been a really shitty year for them, and I don't know what they're gonna do to turn the ship around. You need someone said they they need their own Jeff Johns, which they do not have. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's that's what I've been saying all along. Is they need to figure out who their Jeff Johns is, the guy who knows as much as anyone about their universe and has some really good solid ideas for new fresh things to do with what they have yeah you know that jeff johns is he he's always been brilliant he's great at uh, just crafting stories and you know, mm. even pulling things out of nowhere like you know pulling the watchman in and having it be cohesive and make sense and it solved problems you know for things that they were trying to to figure out how to change like uh. they didn't like from the new 52 he in one shot he made this big event and used it to uh, kind of retcon things that uh, regretted from the New 52. Yeah. And yeah, that's neat to have their Jeff Johns in place. We have so much talent at DC. Jim Leave, Jeff Johns, Scott Snyder, Tom King, Sean Murphy, Joshua Williamson, who a lot of people rave about his flash run at the moment. Like, he's just consistent. Time and that's, that's another thing that... Uh, yeah, it, it goes on and on, and Marvel's been hemorrhaging these guys. Like we said, they lost Bendis, they lost Lemire again. Mm. They need to hold on to everyone that they have left. They they need to make like Jason Aaron is probably you know their most would say is their top guy. You know they need to make him co-publisher right now. You know throw a lot of money at him, make sure he's he remains part of uh, part of their framework and. Charles Sewell, for sure, they got to hang on to him, keep him. Because you know, a lot of these guys are friends. Like We know that Scott Snyder is really good friends with Charles Sewell. And what if uh, Charles Sewell came to a point where, you know, he's, he's tired of how things are going at Marvel. And one day Scott Snyder just says, hey, why don't you come over to, to DC and, you know, write this Batman book with me? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if he's unhappy with what he's doing over at Marvel, you know, who's to say he's not just going, okay. I'll come over to DC and, and write some books there. It's going to be another year of DC domination as far as the comic books are concerned. So just for the second half, um, Gotham City Garage, was it number... Ocho, number eight uh, this week. So uh, if you've been keeping up with uh, Gotham Garage, have you been reading it lately? I have not read an issue yet. I'm going to grab a trade when it comes out. I think that should be coming out soon. And I'm looking forward to it. It sounded like a sleeper book. Like when it came out, it sounded like it was in the vein of like bombshells. Yeah, bombshells were a similar thing. You know, there was, everyone saw the, the bombshell variant covers and the bombshell statues and and then the series was sort of born from that. And Marguerite Bennett uh, has been writing that. And it, it got a spinoff series. Uh, so uh, Gotham Garage, uh, those statues have been coming out for a few years now. And uh, then they were followed by this comic series, which was a digital first series. So if you've been reading, reading it digitally, then you're already ahead of where the print comics are. 
we've seen things like these alternate versions of uh, of Batgirl, of Supergirl, Wonder Woman, Harley. So issue eight was really a Supergirl and Wonder Woman issue headed off on the road. Basically, Wonder Woman was taking Supergirl somewhere. And along the way, uh, Wonder Woman tells a story of herself leaving Themyscira and, uh, you know, going to to the world of man to help preserve peace, you know, to to attempt to to attempt to end the war. While she's explaining this to Supergirl, they're you know, going back and forth, telling each other about about themselves. So this version of Supergirl uh, didn't know anything about her past. Uh, she had been adopted by the Jim Gordon of this world and told that Barbara was her sister. And they had both basically had memories implanted into their minds to give them this these lifetime of memories of them growing up as sisters. So after uh, the Jim Gordon of that world was murdered, where we eventually found out that it was by the Batman of that world, uh, they had both ended up as part of you know this this Gotham Garage group that lives outside of the the main world, you know, the, the main city that is uh, the focus of the place that is dystopian society that is run by Lex Luthor. So this issue is uh, Wonder Woman is taking uh, Kara out to this forest. It's the only remaining forest and uh, it's inhabited by uh, Poison Ivy. And basically, so this, this issue feels to me like it's sort of explaining the statues as much as anything else because one thing that people pointed out about statues is each one is that character you know on on their motorcycle and they've all had tattoos and we find out in this issue that their tattoos are there because it's uh it's their story you know it's uh something to mark their history so uh when diana tells you know her story it she explains you know and this is why I have this tattoo, and that's why I have this one. Explains the meaning of each one. Right. So we see Kara taken into Poison Ivy's forest and having her memories that she doesn't even remember of uh, her escape from Krypton. You know, memories of her parents before she left, and that is where her tattoos come from. You know, we see her get those tattoos and and the meaning explained, and uh, this is where Kara gets her first memories of her life on Krypton. Um, that's basically what this issue was. There's really no more Elseworlds anymore. Every now there's all just multi Earths and multiverses. Just like DKR has its own Earth or multiverse and whatnot. So probably and uh, DC themselves have been referring to uh, the White Knight universe as the Murphyverse. Murphyverse. Yeah. Even the Vampire Batman verse, you could have that one and just so many others. Yeah. So that's kind of cool, like how they could actually change things, but yet still have them in some kind of continuity or canon or whatever, because it's another multiverse but it's yeah that, that's a cool thing about the multiverse because in things like uh detective comics arc and the the super sons of tomorrow arc where you know both stories had that future tim drake coming back in time to you know to, to try to stop events when we've seen him traveling through the time stream uh we've gotten glimpses of so many of the other multiverses yeah. uh, the other the other worlds of the multiverse yeah. So we've seen like the Flashpoint universe and you know Metal and Final Crisis glimpses of so many things. So yeah, it's it's cool that the multiverse exists there and everything can uh, exist all at once. Yeah, uh, but independently of each other. 
Uh, Nightwing uh, New World Order. Ah, right. And it wrapped up? This is the final issue of it uh, this week. It's been written by Kyle Higgins, okay. uh, who you know writes a pretty solid Nightwing. So the story had been in a possible future where the world had almost zero superpowers. So all we knew of the past in this, uh, in this story was Batman was dead. And there was a war happening between superheroes and supervillains that was just destroying the world. Humans were being killed. The military was being killed because this this fight had just gotten out of hand and it was getting worse and worse. And Nightwing set off a weapon that Batman had had uh, in his possession. It was a weapon from Apocalypse that we find out what the purpose of it was for invading new planets, you know, to basically soften up a new planet. It was yeah. uh, basically, it was like a big bomb that mm. just eliminated uh, metahuman abilities. So Nightwing had set that off to, to stop the war. So he had saved a lot of lives, but a lot of people died. And it eliminated uh, about 95% of metahuman powers. So uh, there was this agency that Dick and uh, Kate Kane were basically at the top of that regulated uh, what was left of, uh, of metahumans. So everyone was registered and they were put on medication you know, to suppress their powers. And anyone who was too powerful to have their, you know, for, for, that, for that treatment to work on, they were just put in stasis, so they, you know, they were basically just frozen indefinitely. Dick and uh, Starfire, Corey, had had a child. After the event happened that, you know, got rid of the powers, uh, Corey had left. You know, she, she just split, and Dick was left raising their son on his own. So eventually it comes to light that uh, their son began manifesting metahuman abilities. You know, he had powers similar to, to Starfire's. And before Dick could do anything, you know, he, he was planning to uh, bring this news to the agency and say, okay, my son has powers, we need to take care of this. The agency had found out already and they invaded the house in the middle of the night. And when the house was invaded, Dick said, you know, it's okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go along peacefully. But Alfred, who was there with them, had had enough of everyone standing down and letting, uh, letting them be bullied. He fought back, and, you know, spoiler alert here, uh, we see Alfred get killed. Mm, again, as if Murphyverse yeah. wasn't enough. <laughs> it's been a rough couple of years for Alfred. You know, we go back to Endgame, Joker cuts off his fucking hand, and then he's dying in every other story. That Batman Eternal <laughs> hush stabs him in the head with like some uh, yeah. syringe. Uh, and... Yeah, uh, I think uh, with fear toxin, wasn't it? Yeah, fear toxin like almost killed him, like his brain. It's been, yeah. been a rough go for old Alfie lately. Yeah, he dies a couple of times. Lately, coming through uh, Nightwing New Order, after uh, they had taken Dick and his son into custody, Dick obviously, you know, escapes. He enlists... Uh, what's what remains of the titans to help him uh to get his son back so uh, they, they break his son out they get back to safety but then dick cuts a deal with the agency that he would tell them where uh where the titans are hiding out uh, in exchange for you know letting him and his son go free you know they would just disappear and go live their lives somewhere so in the meantime they had uh sort of rendezvoused at uh this hideout that is inhabited by Lex Luthor and 
uh, Superman who, you know, he, he has no powers, but, you know, he's, he's just Clark now and he's growing old. He's got a big gray beard. But basically the, uh, the object of them getting Dick's son there was that being one of the few metahumans left and being as powerful as he is, they hope to find a way to reverse engineer the weapon that took away all the metahuman powers, uh, with the initial goal being to just uh, restore Superman. Oh, okay. They've got uh, the you know they've they've got what they need of uh, of Dick's son, and you know they they hook him up to this machine. Lex hooks him up to this machine with Clark. They use his uh, his blood to restore Superman. But upon seeing that the machine works, that the technology works, Lex obviously turns on them, and uh, we find out that he has a giant version of that weapon underneath metropolis and it's it's a big enough version of it that it will destroy metropolis but it will counteract that previous weapon but uh lex lex is tired he doesn't want to go back to the unlevel playing field from before where there are you know there are people with powers but most people don't have powers right so the the design of this weapon that he has secretly made is that it will give everyone metahuman powers uh so uh the job now becomes to uh get the the weapon away from the to get the bomb away from the city so it doesn't destroy everyone who's living in metropolis so uh the issue basically ends with you know they're, they're successful getting that away uh dick's son dick and Corey's son proves to be really powerful and uh he helps superman and some of the other characters like uh, John Stewart Green Lantern is a big part of uh, uh, a big part of this world. Mm. Uh, Lois Lane as a Blue Lantern. Oh shit! Yeah, it's uh, there, there's a lot going on here. It's uh, I've touched on just the the main parts of it uh, running through the story here. There's a lot worth checking out still. Mm. Uh, the, they get the weapon away so it doesn't destroy, uh, so nobody dies, they, they save everyone, but uh, we end up in a world where, you know, metahuman powers do come back. You know, e- essentially, everyone lives happy, happily ever after. We end up seeing uh, Dick's son grow up and have a family of his own, and they're in a world where metahuman powers are back. Hmm. And uh, that's that. But, it's like ongoing trend with everyone having kids now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we've really been getting into... Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I guess at some point you, you have to start looking uh, beyond the characters that, that we've always had and start looking into their own futures, right? Starfire and Dick, that's kind of cool for, that, for them to have a kid. I could see that. You know, we got Jonathan, right? We got Damien. Um, yeah. What I want is like an Earth Zero Helena Wayne. Like, I want Batman and Catwoman to actually have a, se- a secret child. Yeah. She grows up to be the new Huntress. That'd be kind of that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, a, a lot of people would have yeah, that's the... <laughs> That's the hopes and dreams of the whole Batcat contingent right now. <laughs> that Nash cat. I think we kind of dig that too. Um, uh, going back to New Order, uh, there's a cool little bit you, you talked about uh, the last Robin. Uh, there's a scene between Dick and his son. Uh, you know, his son knows. You know, he knows about Batman and stuff like that. Which uh, one thing? Definitely read the story to find out. Uh, in the final issue, we find out what happened to Batman, how he died, and yeah. it's crazy. So yeah, uh, everyone should read it uh, if you haven't already. Oh shit! Uh, but there's a moment between Dick and his son because Dick had always been, you know, uh, since Batman's death, he had been against metahuman powers and 
you know, he set off that that bomb that uh, that wiped them out, and you know, kept working for keeping uh, powers regulated and basically outlawed. There was a scene between him and his son where I'd, his son is basically telling him that you know I. I I wish I could be as good as you. Uh, you know, you were necessary for Batman because, you know, when he felt his darkest and like when he you know, lost hope, you were the one that that gave him light and you you gave him hope and you inspired him. I wish I could be as good a Robin as you were. That is what really changes Dick's mind and you know makes makes him decide that you know okay maybe maybe what i've been doing all this time isn't right you know maybe people need to to make their own choice of what they they need to have the chance to make their own choice of what they would do with their abilities yeah. that's that's a real cool moment and uh that about does it right for the stack for january 24th 2018 stack. There, there are a lot of other books coming out but uh, yeah you guys are gonna have to just Grab read some stuff uh yeah we can we can't cover all of it but uh you know, if if there's if there are titles that you're enjoying that we aren't covering that you think we need to give some attention to, drop us a line. You know, send us an email, comment on one of our posts, DM us. So, you know, let us know what we're missing, and maybe we'll uh, start giving that some attention. We're gonna try to uh, cover more of the spectrum of the DC books coming out. You know, we mainly focus on the the bat centric ones, but uh, we should get a little more well rounded. Yep, that's about does it for the stack. You guys know where to find us. Or on the Bad Force all of social media, and we'll see you guys next time. Hey, Gotham dwellers. Make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.